Thanks for finding us. This is a message recorded at Fairfax Assembly in Bakersfield, California. You can find out more at fairfaxassembly.com. It's great to see you today. I heard the other day about a maestro, a great conductor. And he had a, his orchestra was before him, a huge orchestra. And he was tuning it up. It was practice time. <clears throat> and he was conducting, and it was a really loud piece, like an 1812 overture type piece with lots of timpani and brass and noise. And, and the piccolo player wasn't feeling <clears throat> especially good that day. And so she thought, well, I'll just set this one out. And didn't really put much into it. And as they were working through the piece, and it was loud, and it was booming, the maestro stopped everything. And he said, where is the piccolo? You see, his ear was tuned to it, and he missed it. Parents know what that's like. You can be in a crowded place with hundreds of screaming kids, but your kid cries out, and you know that sound. You're tuned to it. Well, lately, my ear <clears throat> has been tuned to catch descriptive short phrases in the Word. That's what I'm picking up this time reading through God's Word. I'm seeing little phrases that are just packed as I read through. Last week, I shared one of them with you, the phrase I found in Scripture, lip service. What a great phrase that is. Talked about people who worship God with lip service. In other words, they worship God, but only with their mouth. Lip service. What a great phrase that is. In the last few months, I've been sharing with you another phrase that has caught my attention. Christ in you. The idea that Jesus lives his life inside of us. That he's not way off somewhere beyond the planet's safe in heaven, but he's right in here. He's living in us. He's living his own life in us. What a great phrase. But I ran into another one this week as we read through 1 Thessalonians. That little letter that Paul wrote to some favorites of his, and you may want to turn there. I found it in the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, but before we get to that phrase, just a word about next week. Because, believe it or not, I don't know that I've ever done this in my whole long life. The message is all done for next week already. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with that spare time now. You may want to make sure your wheels are locked and there's nothing setting out. Because uh, if I get bored, it could be bad. But it's already done. And I want to share with you a little bit of what it is. It comes from a psalm that we read together last week. How long, O Lord? Will you hide yourself forever? How long? Remember how fleeting is my life. Here it is. And what futility you've created all men. What man can live and not see death or save himself from the power of the grave? I want to consider that next week, so I'm giving you a little preview here. Because the fact is, one day we won't be here. They'll be having some barbecues out back. But, uh, but you won't be there. And they'll be running to the mall for one thing or another, but that's a trip you won't take. And there are going to be graduations and weddings and babies and 
things you won't see. So what's all that mean? Well, we'll, we'll talk about that next Sunday. But back to the letter, 1 Thessalonians, for today. In the first chapter, pick it up at verse number 2. Here's what, it, here's what it says. We always thank God for all of you. This is the great Apostle Paul talking to some people that he knew a lot about and he had invested a lot of time in them. In them. And, and he says, I, I always thank God for all of you. Mentioning you in my prayers, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So there you've got the triad that shows up throughout the New Testament at the end of the love chapter even. Faith, hope, and love. There they are. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. What a a great thing to be aware that God has chosen you. Because our gospel, good news, Because our good news came to you not simply with words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. And let me just say that if the gospel comes to you and it doesn't have all three of those, power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction, it's not really the gospel. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. That was one of the ways Paul lived. He told people all the time. He he lived enough above board that he could say, follow me as I follow Christ. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That's extreme northern Greece and southern Greece. It's a big chunk of real estate. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere, everywhere. Now, how many heard on Wednesday night the thunder? Did you hear that? It had been a long time since we had heard it quite like that, hadn't it? And, And it showed up again on Thursday afternoon. But on Wednesday night particularly, it was loud, wasn't it? Oh, it was a light show. It was a light show. I got out of bed. Actually, I had gone to bed early uh, that night, and uh, I'd just fallen off asleep when it happened, when it crashed for the first time, and I heard it. And I had that weird experience that we have, that experience of imagining a dozen improbable things. It happened to me that night as I heard that thunder, and a whole bunch of things raced through my mind at one time. I thought, as soon as I was waking up and I heard the thunder, I thought, well, there's a big cannon outside, and Napoleon is shooting shots at my house. I thought that. At the same time, I was thinking, no, it's two big farm tractors have crashed right on the street. And then I had just this fleeting little thought before I got out of bed. Maybe it's an escaped elephant. And he's put his trunk in my ear, and like on the cartoons, he's blowing it like a trumpet into my ear. Like finally got up and realized it was that deep bass roll of thunder. Well, have you figured out what my phrase is yet? It's in verse 8, where he says, the Lord's message rang out from you. That's the phrase that caught my attention, that made me stop and think and look. And that's the phrase that, like the maestro, I had to stop the orchestra and just think about that. The Lord's message 
rang out from you. Some Bibles say the Lord's message, it resounded from you, or, or it rang out loud, or it echoed, or it sounded forth. That original word in there is a vivid word. It's a splashy word. It's an almost gaudy word, and it refers to the rolling of thunder. The Lord's message thundered out from you. Think about thunder. That moment when you hear a slight beginning crash. But it's nothing like what's going to follow. And it tells you that more is coming. And and then that initial crash is followed by a sharp, ear-splitting crack. And then there's that long, low rumble that tells you more is coming. Well, I hope your heart restarted. Paul is saying to them that their witness of Christ, what Jesus had done in their lives to people all around him, it was like that. And he commends them in verse 8 by saying, the Lord's message thundered out from you. Just like that. What we say, you and I, What we say out there about Christ is supposed to ring like thunder. Did you realize that? Now, what's that mean exactly? Thunder is loud, isn't it? Thunder, it shocks us from our sleep. When the thunder starts, at least in my neighborhood, it makes the dogs whine to come in. makes small children cry because it's loud. It's loud. I remember as a kid when it would thunder. I grew up back east where it really thunders in the summer. And it would thunder and it would lightning and it would be a big storm. And my father, if it happened at night, he would come in and he'd make all of us boys get up and go out and stand on the porch and watch it. Watch the show. And he'd talk to us about what it must have been like Way back when, when the the native people that lived there and the early pioneers, they had to be out in that. What was that like? I remember standing there on that front porch many nights watching those violent storms where the, the rain would come down literally in rhythms of sheets of rain and it would turn the familiar street in front of our house into something that you didn't recognize. It would turn it into an angry stream that was rushing to the nearest storm drain. And and then there would be those split-second flashes of light that was so bright that you don't ever remember seeing anything quite that bright before. And you didn't see your neighborhood quite that clearly before because with the lightning, you see, there was no shadows. And I remember covering my ears Usually too late because the thunder would come in unexpected cracks that were the loudest thing I could imagine. When we tell what Christ has done for us, the healing that he's brought into our lives, it should ring like thunder. Now, not rude and not obnoxious and not overbearing with a lot of look at me sprinkled into it. 
but it should be loud enough to be heard. When we talk about Christ, it should be loud enough to be heard over everything else in my life and over everything else around me. People should know. They should know. There should be nothing apologetic about what you say for Jesus Christ. Please, no no pale God talk. Talk about Jesus Christ. And there should be nothing apologetic about it. You probably heard those Christians in discussions with somebody else who disagrees with them a little bit, and they, they end up by saying, oh, well, you believe what you believe, and I believe what I believe. Like anything in the world could compare with the gospel of a God who became a man to rescue my falling soul, and he did it with his own lifeblood. Nothing compares with that, you see. How weak and how pale and how tame we make Christ sound sometimes. Nothing compares with the gospel. The Narnia Chronicles, if you haven't read them to your kids or grandkids, you should, at least some of it. There's a main character in there. His name is Aslan. Aslan is a lion. But Aslan is actually, you figure it out, he's actually Christ. And he does some pretty fantastic things, some bold things in those stories, Aslan. And at the end of one of the books, it says, Aslan is a lion. But he's not a tame lion. Christ is not tame. We don't need to treat him as tame. We need to be bold. We need to be unapologetic when you speak of Christ and what he's done for you. Like thunder. And like thunder, we need to be unmistakable when we talk about our Savior. There's nothing else like thunder, is there? No other sound like thunder. You've heard the phrase loud and clear. Well, thunder is not only loud, it's also crystal clear. And when you say something for Christ, it's to be like that. It's not to be muddied or garbled. It's never a good idea to mumble the good news of Jesus Christ. But state your case loud and clear. Here's what I was, and here's what I am, and here's what Jesus Christ did for me. The second person of the Trinity is alive in me. He's living his life in me. There's two sides to the cross. I've told you that before. The one side is wonderful. He's forgiven us. But the other side is more amazing still that he lives in us. And he lives his life in us. You tell that and you tell it loud and you tell it clear. It's not religion. It's not a preacher that we talk about or a belief. But again, it's that second person of the eternal Godhead. He reached down and he saved me from destroying myself. When you say it, say it clearly. I was a spiritual suicide and Jesus Christ intervened. That's what happened to me. Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Him crucified. That's what we need to know. That's what people need to hear. Need to be like thunder. Now, there are two words in the English language that get interchanged, and they mean two very different things. One of them is continuous, and one is continual. You see them on the screen there. Continuous 
and continual. And they mean two different things. Continuous means uninterrupted. It just keeps going. Continual means frequently, intermittently. It happens now and then later and then later. Well, when we talk about Jesus Christ, it's not to be continual. Here and there and here and there. But it's to be continuous. It's to be uninterrupted and just flow from our life when we talk about Christ. Have you noticed thunder again? How it rolls and it rolls till it's a way off. It's as strong as ever, but it's somewhere else now. It's continuous. That's the way our witness of Christ is to be, like thunder that way. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. That's what Paul is saying to these place, people. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. One, one version says your faith in God has been echoed abroad. You do know that when you talk about the things of God to people, that you're dealing with eternal things. Do you know that? You're not just speaking words. It's not just words that go in one ear and out another. It's not something that's lost in the air when you're talking about Jesus Christ to somebody. Regardless of how they receive it, it doesn't just disappear because the Bible says about his own word, my word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me void, empty. There's an eternal quality to the words when we're talking about Jesus Christ, you see. It's like tossing a pebble and that pebble will ripple for a long time when it's about Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, my word that goes out of my mouth, it won't return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and it will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. When you speak for God, when you tell about this life-changing experience that he brings in your life, when you're pointing somebody to Christ, you are partnering with him and the guarantee is that his powerful word will not be lost. You deal with eternal things when you talk about Christ. It's like thunder that way. It's continuous. Now just a word as we close about content. What is it you're supposed to say like thunder? In a few moments, you're going to be heading back through those doors back out to what I think is probably the most challenging mission field God's people have ever faced. It is easy in our world to be a surface Christian, to be a cultural Christian, to attend church on Sunday morning and then just live life like everybody else does the rest of the week and never mention him to anybody. That's easy to do and many do it. That's how I know it's easy. It's easy to be a surface Christian, but it is a challenge to live every day as a follower of Jesus Christ. That is a challenge. And you're going to be heading back out into the most challenging mission field that I think God's people have ever faced. You're going to be re-entering enemy territory in just a few moments. And I know that because of an encounter Jesus had with Satan. Wherein Satan said to him, if you will fall down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he showed him all of those kingdoms and he explained to Jesus, those kingdoms have been given to me and I give them to whomever I wish. The world is mine, Satan said right now. And Jesus didn't quibble with him. He didn't argue with him. 
He conceded the point. That means that this world is in the grip of the enemy right now. And what that further means for you and me as genuine followers of Christ is when you go back out those doors, you're entering not only a mission field, but you're going behind enemy lines, you see. You're going to be entering enemy territory in just a moment. And it's important for me that you grasp this one thing before you go back out there behind enemy lines. Verse 8, the beginning of verse 8, tells us what it was, what the content of it was that rang out, that thundered out. What it was that thundered was not ways of doing church. That's not what they talked about. It wasn't the antics of the preacher or the failure of other members. It wasn't religion. It wasn't denomination talk. The Lord's message, verse 8 says, the word of the Lord, some of your Bibles say, the word of the Lord rang out, thundered out from you. You know, if you think of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it's only another philosophy. If you, if you think that it is simply the reflections of some very smart and profound first century thinkers who focused on religious topics, then you have missed the gospel entirely. The gospel is the good news that God spoke. The gospel is the good news that he spoke, and he spoke it with the life of his son. We've been given that, you and I. We've been given the word of God. Do you realize that? He has trusted us to handle his word. The beginning of John's gospel, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then it goes on to talk about how nothing that was made was made without the Word of God. And then it explains that there is the spoken Word of God. There is the written Word of God. But then Christ is the living Word of God. And He has entrusted us with those. With the living Word, Christ, we've been trusted. And with the written Word, that Bible in your hand, we have been trusted with that too. It's been committed to us by a loving, trusting God. And we must present it at work and at home and with our neighbors and wherever we have a divine encounter and Jesus Christ becomes the topic, we must stand up and we must speak for him without softening it or changing it, without any kind of apology. We need to get full of God's word you and I, and then we need to tell them that. Tell them that. A man was knocking on the door, a lady's home. He had a large sum of money as a gift for her that he felt he needed under God to give to her. And so he was knocking, and he didn't knock just once or twice. It was repeatedly, but he got no answer back. And so he left. Sometime later, he passed that gift on to somebody else who also needed it. Some days later, he and the lady ran into each other. And he said, I was at your house the other day, and I knocked, and I knocked, and I knocked. And I had something for you, but you did not answer. And she said, I didn't answer 
I was there. I was home and I heard you knocking. But I didn't answer because I thought it was the rent collector. And I didn't have anything. She teared up when he told her what he had been there for. When Jesus brings the gospel, the good news, it's not to collect on a debt. It's to pay a debt. And it's to set you free from fear. That's the power of the gospel. Paul will say in another place, I am not ashamed. And we shouldn't be ashamed either. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. It's the power of God. It's a power that transforms. That word power is the word dunamis, dynamite. It's explosive power. And when the power of the gospel comes into our life, it shatters all kinds of things and sets us free. Bigotry. When the, when the gospel comes in, bigotry in racism is replaced by love. And drunks get sober and addicts get clean and gossips turn to encouragers. And bad parents become good parents. And, and, and the lost get found and the dead are made alive. That is the gospel, you see. And we shouldn't be ashamed of it because it transforms a man had just spoken at an open-air meeting, Christian meeting. A number of people were present. And as he finished, another gentleman elbowed his way through the crowd and presented himself on the platform to the speaker. And he issued a challenge. The man challenging was a skeptic. He hadn't believed anything he'd heard that day. In fact, he was a little bit hostile toward it. And so he issued a challenge. He said to the speaker, I wanted to publicly debate you and I will foot the bill for the hall rental and I will pay for all the advertising, but I want to debate you on this topic in public. And the gentleman that had spoken said, I will take the challenge on one condition, that when you come to debate me, that you bring at least 50 lives that have been changed, that have been transformed by your message because I will bring hundreds that have been transformed by the gospel of Christ. That debate never happened. Because the only thing that transforms a life and changes it from the inside out is the good news of Jesus Christ, the message that we've been entrusted with, and we need to be loud and clear and unmistakable and continuous when we talk about Jesus Christ. Jesus said about himself, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. All men. You've been listening to a slightly inspired message from Fairfax Assembly, a different kind of church in Bakersfield, California. Find out more at www.fairfaxassembly.com.